Welcome, diary listeners. This week we we have another black box episode. It's going to be titled Sticks and Stones. And we have a special guest who dubs himself uh, the Red Rebel. So without further ado, let's let's commence. This is was a fun experiment. This is a person in my life that uh you know, I just wanted to give the mic to and see what shook loose. I, uh, I'm, I'm exploring possible co-hosts and things like that, but for right now we're, we're keeping it safe and we're keeping it, uh, you know, an outlet, but we hope you enjoy this. So without further ado, sticks and stones. Welcome diary listeners. This is the Black Box series, our look into real stories that change the names to protect the innocent. Hello, a di- <laughs> I just messed that up. <laughs> Hello, diary listeners. <laughs> I am here today uh with with a fun new additive potentially to the podcast uh, we're keeping him anonymous so this is red rebel say hi hello everyone <laughs> and uh, i'm bringing him on because uh this is a this is a person in my life that i i think that we parry well off of each other we both love to talk and it has become very apparent to me that this is not a joy that Rico has very much. I love him to death, but he does not, he doesn't really enjoy uh, tattooing. Um, He loves watching tattooing actually, but he doesn't enjoy talking very much or podcasting. He likes that we have a podcast and he supports me in everything that I do. He loves me so much, but um, this just isn't his jam. And we're at the point in our relationship where being very honest with each other, which I am very thankful for because I like this phase. I like it when all the honeymoon shit is out of the way and I can fully, you know, like see this person. So he's coming off some things he doesn't like, which I'm very grateful for. And um, one of them is just that like, he, he's just not a talker. So, but I want to have a very even spread here uh, when it comes to uh, voices. And I feel like a host that is a male uh, would, I mean, you know, I don't want to be sexist, but it does have an influence that I can't bring to the table. And I've already cried openly on, uh, you know, on this podcast with all y'all. So I have to admit it. Uh, my ovaries are, are still working and, and the estrogen is still flowing quite a bit. So I needed, I need some testosterone on here. It's very important. And, um, I think it's a, it's a voice that's necessary. So welcome. And, uh, I guess, I guess go there. (laughs) Well, I don't want to scare anybody off, but, uh, I do think that the, uh, male perspective is important and not the, uh, over the top Andrew Tate type of male perspective. Cause that just, it seems to me he does that shit just to get money or views or whatever he's doing. He says a lot of outrageous stuff, which, you know, I'm not really a fan of a lot of what he says. But anyway, I think it's a product of a lack of leadership, though, where there hasn't been a lot of solid male 
influences. And I think that you get that as a product of just basically telling men that their entire sex is vile, you know, like that's all that has been given to men. And I think that they don't have direction in, in, in their male, um, uh, influences. Uh, they're just, they're basically just dropped I, off and said, here, do you and die. Tate is what you would like to call an overcorrection. Mm-hmm. So I understand men have been getting it for a long time. And I guess the chickens have come home to roost or whatever. But I think that his direction or his opinions are an overcorrection. Mm-hmm. And I understand where he's coming from if he's frustrated or whatever as a, as a male. But I feel as though I think it got to the point where when it's it was a good idea in the beginnings. I saw all the earlier stuff. And then as you watch it through the years, you can kind of tell that the guy enjoyed the uh, attention. Mm-hmm. And he realized that he said one crazy ass thing and then he had to up that crazy ass thing to another crazy ass thing, even crazier to the point where it ends up being almost ridiculous and cartoony. And I saw him on a couple of different things, Piers Morgan and all that stuff. And he's got this real douchey i'm gonna have (laughs) solid jaw kind of attitude and it's like dude i don't think you've ever done a hard day's work in your whole life i know he i think he was a fighter or whatever he was doing i don't know i the guy's fine do what you want make your money i think he's locked up right now for something well no he's locked up for sex trafficking apparently and when that came out rico came home and he was like do you know about Andrew Tate? And I was like, I know of Andrew Tate. And he's like, I said, I think I follow him on Twitter. I said, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tracking everything you're saying um, that, you know, he's, he's salacious and, you know, in for the clicks, the clickbait kind of, kind of thing. And then my, uh, you know, Rico came home and he was like, well, apparently he's just been arrested for sex trafficking. Uh, and I was like, I 100% think that, is a, is something that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be. I don't know. I feel like I said. Get, I, so did he get so wrapped up in the click stuff and uh, and thought he was just untouchable to the point where he would yeah. do some shit? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the guy, but it's possible. I mean. I mean, I guys with more money and more clout have done worse. So I think that uh, he was really poking a dragon that should not have been poked um, in a lot of ways. So and, you know, just given what I saw during the Me Too movement, uh, where I saw a lot of male friends of mine that were kind of involved in certain scandals and then. I have one friend that was completely bankrupted because of it. He literally did nothing more than handle a situation badly. And his entire crew walked out on him. He um, was like his whole, his whole business fell apart just because he didn't handle 
a, a claim the way people thought that he should. And people were calling and they, they made stickers like saying that he was a rapist. Like this guy was leveled in his community because of one bad, like just handling of a situation. And because he was so, I think, um, probably naive in certain ways when it came to uh his faith was he he naive or cavalier (laughs) that was the two words that came to my mind i mean maybe column a column b but like he he didn't have the legal protections in place to make sure that that shit didn't level him and it leveled him and um unfortunately he i mean i guess you know everybody has their upcomings you know, when it comes down to it, like, I do feel like that's, that's the way things go. Um, and I don't know, you know, I think that that might've been a, um, a, a trial that he needed to go through to humble him and to make him smarter. Um, but he raised up so many artists and made them brilliantly famous because he, um, is a software guy. And he's a business guy and he hosted so many like really now famous people. And of course, all of them left and, well, let me, and let started me give their you, own shops. Let me give you a male perspective. So there's a lot of men out in uh, entertainment, whatever. And then all the way down to your average guy where a lot of these claims weren't true mm-hmm. and they were destroyed. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me, especially now, you know, that's the new fucking press on nail. Like that's mm-hmm. the new, that's the new fad is to, if you don't like something, you destroy someone. And the way you do it is either based on they are a rapist, they are a racist, they are a sexist, they did something 25 years ago that wouldn't be looked at as kind or nice today what i think is horse shit is people waste so much time now going back into the fucking past to figure out what people did wrong or how they did it wrong first of all 25 years ago was a hell of a lot different than it is now mm-hmm. and in some ways i kind of liked it more because everybody me too People made fun of each other. They laughed. They laughed. They just laughed at a lot of shit. I'm not saying everything that happened was great, Mm -hmm. but everything that's happening now isn't great. Mm -hmm. And 25 years from now, all that won't be great that's happening now. And people are going to look back and go, yeah, we overcorrected or Mm -hmm. we overstated or we we thought we were doing the right thing. And in fact, a lot of it, if you can't, I watched this video of this guy at the at the uh, World Cup, and he was standing outside after the Iranians played the Americans, and the Americans won. And he stood there with a camera, and he said, the Iranian fans are talking to the American fans, and the American fans are talking to the English fans, and the English fans are talking to the Venezuela, whoever. There was all these people just talking. And he said, you know, you took out all the bullshit and the politics and the fucking gotcha or who's got the biggest weapons, it would just be this. Mm-hmm. And we all know that'll never happen because it's just the way it is. You got old guys with pens fucking making rules and doing dumb shit. 
and I'm going to be in that class eventually. I'm going to be the old guy. But anyway, when you see it, the overall picture, I feel like a lot of people are going to get destroyed for no reason. And then the people that are really getting harmed will never get help because you have all these people that are standing around saying things that aren't true. And then it's almost that boy who cried wolf thing where eventually people stop listening altogether. And I don't think it's a healthy way really overall. Now, are there ways or better ways to do things to get people to listen to those people that really do have a serious problem or something's really going on? I'm sure there's a way to do that, but the noise is so loud and the let's hype this shit up is so loud that when it comes out and it's not true, it makes all that in the future mean nothing. Cause all the people are going to say is, well, remember when, remember when, that girl with Kobe Bryant. Remember when the Magic Johnson? Remember when, you know, uh, what's that asshole, the movie star that slept with a prostitute? Which one? I can't even, there's a million of them, but he's uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Was he in that? Whatever that asshole's name is, the English guy. They're all. Oh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. All these assholes running around doing this stuff. And it's like, at some point, the noise is going to overtake the actual problem in people that are being harmed in real life. And I think that's everybody's intention is to help those people. I just don't think it's ever going to happen. If you keep having like, let's say the Andrew Tate thing comes out and he's got hard proof that says he never did it and Mm -hmm. people can't deny it. But then you got, you know, Epstein Island over here in the corner, but nobody's talking about that. I mean, who gives a shit about Andrew Tate? There was fucking years and years and years of people going over there with all these girls and stuff, young girls and exploiting all these different and boys too, exploiting them. But that just seems to get pushed to the background. And the asshole that wants the clicks on YouTube is pushed to the forefront. That's the fucking problem. That's what Definitely. I 100% agree. Um, My whole thing is is that when I say 100% think that that could happen, I mean it in that this is a man's character that I could very well see that this could be plausible with. And if it comes out not to be true, um, I would I would probably equally believe that for the reasons that you just stated because of the kind of wealth and fame and and clout that this person has made and and just the simple fact that people don't like that he's saying something I can see that being a reason enough to to try to take him down um and to give him a hard time either way right I think Andrew Tate is guilty of at the very least um hubris and uh maybe needing a little bit of um yeah just humbling uh in some ways and and it might be true but i don't think i think this humbling is overcorrection the other direction so here we are again everybody's overcorrecting it seems like because it's like if it's not true then no it's not i mean it but if it if it's if if he never did any of this, which I'm playing devil's advocate, because who fucking knows with that guy? 
But if he never did it, and all this is out, that that shit's forever because the internet's forever, and the fucking video will be there forever. And there's always going to be that group of people that says he did do it. And there's always going to be the people that said he didn't do it. But let's say he never did it forever, even though he's an asshole. And he probably brought it on himself a lot. It's always going to be there. There's always going to be two groups now. It's not going to be just the, hey, I hate Andrew Tate because he's an asshole. Or not I like necessarily because he's not he's not that old of a guy. And here's the thing is that like. Yeah, um, for a while, that'll be the case, but you don't know what the future will bring. And also, just like you said, they're, they're, people keep combing the past and trying to, you know, uh, say that we should all be held to account for everything as if, um, you know, God is here on earth and can manage everybody's sins without, you know, really looking in the mirror themselves. I doubt highly that um this will keep going in this way uh it'll probably reach a boiling point if it isn't already really there and i doubt that the cancel culture kind of mob will continue to be this way forever i'd like to think that humanity is kind of getting a clue and balancing a little bit with all this technology a little bit and um kind of seeing the kind of things that that man pointed out in that arena that we are you know, we are people. And I do think the majority of people, um, see that. And, um, you know, I do honestly think that it, it requires quite a bit of, um, humbling and vettedness to be the kind of person who can have a digital persona for a long time. And if you're going to put yourself out there digitally and, be accounted for in that space, you have to be highly accountable. So say he never did it, it comes out, he never did it. Yeah, there's going to be people for a while who keep claiming that he did, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have the potential of, of changing his ways and coming off some, some shit and saying, Hey, you know, I kind of was a dick and I kind of see how I pulled that to myself. And I kind of see how I, created that situation because another thing that people really really respond to is vulnerability and accountability and um and once you step up to the plate of that and then you start acting differently um then you start showing people that you are you you have learned um i know because i i speak from experience i was i was a little shit and i got humbled by life and I came back better. But, I said I was sorry. That's the thing. If you're, but see, when you are, when you become so famous or so, I don't know, I'm trying to find the word where, okay, I'll give you an example. So the original cancel culture was um, Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Jenna Flowers, mm -hmm. yeah. right? So, okay, so they didn't have all the digital media back then, but he was the president, we got you. However, Flowers was even before that. Mm -hmm. and all these different things that happened was before that. And then, he, of course, he's in the, people keep saying he was on the logs for Epstein Island, all this stuff. So between that, looking at that, that's never gone away. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the guy does. Not And he did do it, obviously. It all came out eventually that he did do it, what he was doing. And you have two groups of people that still love the guy. And you still have the groups of people that, you know, don't believe he did it. And then you have the people on the other side that do. And they hate the guy and whatever. This dude's going to be the same exact way. And the only difference is, is, boy, you can pull that shit up quick. And it could be 10 years from now. Just mm-hmm. be like, hey, remember this guy? I was watching the um the Netflix, the Pepsi Netflix, uh, where the kid wanted to get the Harrier jet. And he found out that on the commercial, there was no fine print. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to get the money together with this dude he was friends with, this rich guy, and get enough points together to get this Harrier jet. And he sued Pepsi for the jet because they didn't have a disclaimer. Well, that was in 1995. Mm-hmm. And it is not fucking 1995. And they mm-hmm. made a whole documentary on that, a whole thing. They had four episodes. They went on and on about how the 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 artist that came up with the commercial got told, oh, it's supposed to be 700 million points and not 7 million points. All this, they went back and forth. Well, turns out Pepsi fucked up, but they ended up having better lawyers. <laughs> so spoiler alert, all I'm saying is, that was in 1995, and they're still talking about that shit. This guy, if he made enough of um, a ruckus, they'll say, well, don't be like Andrew Tate. Or there's always going to be some sort of connotation that goes back to this clown. And not that I'm defending the guy, but I'm just saying, like, your average guy, although he doesn't have that kind of clout or he's not on social media and all, the devastation still remains for our average guys where we're getting hurt by women that'll say things like, oh, he beats the kids so they can get custody or they say crazy shit like, oh, he doesn't bring the check home. He goes to the fucking casino and blows all the money or whatever they say. And I, in my line of work, I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a, they weaponize kids, they weaponize money, they weaponize marriage. Mm-hmm. And, I wouldn't be shocked if they, of course, a guy like him, he went after that girl. What's her name? Greta Thunberg or whatever. Name yeah, is. Thunberg. Thunberg, whatever her name is. And it turns out, you know, they were talking shit on Twitter to each mm-hmm. other back and forth. Well, and then soon after that, here comes the fucking cops kicking doors down. So it's like, was there a super fan that didn't like this guy and was a big Greta fan? I don't know. All I'm saying is, is that I don't think people weigh how devastating it can be, no matter how big of a star you are, who you are, if you're bullshitting. If the guy really did it, bury him under the fucking jail. Fine. But if he didn't do it, no matter who you are or who the person is, if he's an asshole, I'm cool to let the guy be an asshole. I'm not going to be the guy that destroys him for no reason. That's what I'm saying. I mean, agreed. Agreed. I um, 100% agree with that. I um, All I know is, is that um, I think all of this happened, as you said, at the, at the height and at the start of the internet. And why, why did that, why was that so impactful? Because it, it, it connected all of us. And 
That's what I, well, it's good. It's good. It's great a lot of time, but it's not good all the time. It's like any tool, you know, your fork can help feed you or it can stab somebody, you know, like (laughs) it's the truth. So, you know, there is a high reporting of forks being used as weapons, actually. Um, um, talking about weaponizing things. That's why um, they don't see you in prison. Right. Well, but that that's the thing is that like you, um, there is a responsibility. And I think that in the beginning, it, this, this was presented to us without any kind of, um, any kind of understanding, at least on a base level or on a cohesive level of how we interact and engage with each other, you know, is, you know, I don't think that we as humans really grasped the scope of what it meant to be connected to people that were on the other side of the world. And as Americans, that's an odd thing because we value freedom more than we do safety. Um, We value innovation and Um, the idea of being able to talk, you know, openly about things. Whereas in other countries, man, they don't, they don't even have words, some of them for, for I, like there is no I it's, it's the party or we, or what, like people don't even, they don't even have a concept of a, a personal autonomy. So for us as a nation, it's very founded in these principles. It, it, I think that it was um, bound to be very um, wealth generating to the people who were involved with it, of course. Um, and it, but I do see it coming to eventually a, a kind of a place where people become people again, because I think that I I just believe in the human spirit that way. I do. I, not that, not that I have a lot of faith in that necessarily, but I, um, I just think that we're smarter than that, um, in a, in a bigger way. Like, I hope so. I mean, look at it. We, we, I know that we're moving towards a lot of precipices and we're pushing the boundaries even, even because um, we have made movies and everything like that, 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 that warn against the integration and, and the reliance. Yeah. If you, if you may, instead of having fucking catcher in the rye in, in schools, mm-hmm. there's a handful of things you should put in schools, learn how to read a fucking credit card application Learn how to read a mortgage application before you sign that shit. Mm-hmm. And George Orwell, 1984. If you put those three in there, what you want and what you're talking about will become reality. It will become a place where everybody goes, oh, we need to slow the fuck down because we're acting just like this dude that wrote this book many moons ago mm-hmm. before you were holding a, a touch screen anything. Right. Or I can use my thumbprint and it was all science fiction bullshit in movies. And all of a sudden now you can. Right. Um, boy, if they let everybody read that book, if everybody would just pick that book up and read it, it's shocking. Actually, forget the forget the movie. I think there's a movie out there. Just get well, the book. I think that 
And and this is only coming from a space of where I'm I'm exploring a lot more of my my um belief systems, but um and really kind of sitting on myself and thinking about some things that I just knew. Um I do believe that because we are biologically kind of made a certain way and we're, we're kind of connected to this earth in a very interesting um, way. Um, people made 1984, like a person crafted it and crafted it from a very particular sort of understanding and experience with the human condition. And I think that I'm not necessarily so convinced that these things aren't doomed to repeat each repeat themselves because I think that's also uh, an instinctive behavior of humans. But I also think that there is going to be a course correct because, or a complete wipeout, like a forest fire that, that no, clears no, off. That's you know, <laughs> I mean, that's how most things happen. Like that's honestly how most things happen is that there, there isn't a choice you're, you have become so, I mean, it's like the tower of Babel, you know, like you became so, um, you know, arrogant and your hubris needed to be knocked down and you needed to be dispersed again so that you didn't get that big, you know, and, and so just completely arrogant. Um, I just believe that these things will come to that just because it always does. Like, you know, there, there are, there are fundamental scientific rules to things. I mean, if you're to believe in science or reason or energy or any of these things, you have to look at them. And as an artist, you know, I see, I see patterns in everything like, you know, that, that sacred geometry, it exists in so many things, so many places of life that you can look at and you can see the patterns. And I believe that that happens the same way within, within how we live and within how we experience life. And I, I, I think that human beings have have been grappling with these things for a very long time and it doesn't matter the tools it, it, in our in our essence this is how we how how we exist and it doesn't matter really the the context or the technology I think that we we ground out at a certain point just because we are on this earth and whether we want to believe that or not this earth dictates more of what we get to do than we like to think it does <laughs> like i think people do too so and i'll give you a, a kind of a funny example so <clears throat> if you look at uh when like 70s rock right 70s mm -hmm. rock music well then it, it kind of moved into bigger more cars, more women, more drugs, more alcohol, more everything to the point where it became a caricature of itself. Then it turned into grunge mm -hmm. or you have NWA and KRS-One and fucking Tribe Called Quest and all these cats. And then you have gangster rap sliding in and getting crazy, fucking mm -hmm. crazy. And then you're starting to get into that mush mouth bullshit going on where nobody knows what the fuck's going on. 
And it's starting to come back. If you start listening to some of the, especially the mm-hmm. underground shit, shit that's like on the internet, you have to search for. If you just start mm-hmm. looking around, you're starting to see hip hop and rap go back to the streets yeah. and where it came from. And the thing is, and that's just a, that's just a, you know, kind of a funny way of looking at it, but that's how I do everything. Yeah. I always go, well, let's not do the serious thing. Let's talk about what's actually happening with human beings. What are they actually doing day to day? And what it is, even as something as simple as that, you can just click on fucking Spotify. Speaking of, you know, you, you know, dystopian, whatever, 1984. And you can listen to shit from the 1930s on up, 20s, whatever. And you can hear how the human condition evolved and changed. And I'm not talking about just technology. I'm talking about the stories and the way things were done and the and the way they were written and the progressions they used and what got people's attention. And you're starting to see, like in music, for instance, you're starting to see everything come back to even again. Mm-hmm. And eventually, all this other shit will too. That's why I like, love them or hate them, you know, Sometimes you got to have a fucking billionaire come in and buy something. I knew you were going to bring up Elon. You have to. You got to <laughs> have that fucking guy. And then, but then there's, it happened with the president. It happened with mm-hmm. social media. All the bombastic bullshit. If you mm-hmm. ever notice, some fucker comes in and says, I'm going to throw a bomb on this motherfucker, right? So then it always ends up blowing way up and out of proportion. And then it comes down to reality again. And everybody, when the dust settles, everybody goes, man, we really got a fucking hand, didn't we? Like we, we really took it to another level. So hopefully when it comes to like technology and where we're going, what we're doing, hopefully that'll kind of even itself out. And the laws are starting to catch up with technology too. Finally, it took 35, 40 years to really start doing something. And the crazy shit people will do or say or the way they're going to make money off of stuff or not make money off of stuff. Dude, there's been artists streaming shit for fucking a decade that never got a dime. Uh, LimeWire, I don't fucking know, 15 years. Uh, Come on. So eventually it will even itself out. There will be casualties along the way. Mm -hmm. as As long as everybody tries to keep a cool a cool head they will prevail well yeah and that's that's kind of um you know what i what i see about all of this as well and i um i gotta pee that's what i'm gonna that's what i'm gonna do first because as i was starting to say that my bladder was like coffee (laughs) and it's fucking me up Dude, I had like two big glasses of shit. I'm still drinking the one. And I said, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You got to pee. So I'm going to, I'm going to pause real quick. Let's go. And I'm going to note the time. Let's, let's do this. All right. Sounds good. Got to keep this in. Yep. already here my next book okay listeners I've got something to share with you that I'm already in love with I don't know about you but I'm a total book nerd I have so many books a lot I haven't read I admit there's just something about having bookshelves full of possibilities that calms my soul 
So when I attended the Bogota City Tattoo Fest this past August for the first time, I was delighted to run into my friend Ina Vigilato. We've actually had her on our show, so go check that out. Straight away, it was like God used Ina to guide me over to Black Dagger Books. There I met Travis Lawrence and Josh Rowan, the creators of this enterprise, and got hooked as soon as I saw their product. It's these beautiful little books just full of art, amazing art from amazing tattoo artists. From here, I'm just going to read what their site says. Black Dagger Books is an ongoing collection of artists defining modern tattooing, published monthly, one artist per book, one book per month. A subscription is $25 a month. You get inside of these beautiful books, these, these custom stickers. Each one is filled with the most gorgeous artwork, and it always concentrates on these awesome tattoo artists, and I try to follow each one as soon as I... As soon as I open the book, I'm just like, oh, my God. So it's really worth it. Uh, do yourself a favor. Go over to blackdaggerbooks.com or if you're on IG, Black Dagger Books. It's all one word. And check out their product. Uh, like I said, the subscription is awesome and I'm really happy. Uh, this quells everything about, you know, the book nerd in you, the art collector. It also cures any guilt that you might have about having books just laying around because this gives back to the artist community. It's, it's a win-win. And just so everyone knows, I'm not being paid to shout these guys out. I just genuinely love their product. And also, I really love them. You know, the creators, Travis and Josh, were amazing. They were so kind to me. They gave me so much of their time at the Tattoo Festival. So if you ever have the chance to meet them, talk to them. They're great guys. I just can't say enough things. So do yourselves a really big favor. Go check it out. Thanks so much, listeners. Let's get back to our podcast. I cleared it that cleared it for me I I remember what I was going to say it literally it took over my thought like (laughs) you gotta stop now (laughs) Um, I was getting to that age now where that starts to happen the bladder, man, it's for real. Um, so what I was going to say is you you mentioned 1984, and I think that one's a good one. The only one that came to mind as you were talking about it was um, a book that I know they share a lot in um, in professional settings. And it's all about our inability and our, and our extreme psychological hatred with change. I mean, we hate it. It's called Who Moved My Cheese? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great book. Have you ever read it? No. <laughs> oh, that's great. You can read it in like an afternoon. It really isn't a long story. Um, but basically what it does is, uh, I'll give people like a, a little bit of a synopsis, uh, maybe tantalize you to read it. Honestly, I think you read it to a kid and they would get it. Um, but basically it has these four characters and there's two humans, the size of mice and then there's two mice. And basically what it it does is they put the humans and the mice equally in a maze. And there's different places in the maze that have food. And what you do is you get to analyze what the human beings do with that and what the mice do with it. And essentially the mice being animals, they, they don't take 
any of this survival shit personally. You know, like they're just like, you know, no, we're mice. We got to exist. We got to find food and they do it. They just I do can it. I imagine saying that too. No, right. we're mice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's, not get out of, let's not get out of control. Right. You know. <laughs> but human beings, like once we find a bit of comfort in our experience, we resent any, any, anything that would make us shift back into a survival mode. Like it's, it's, we, we become like enraged at God and, and just mad about the whole thing. And it's completely pointless. It's completely like, you know, uh, and, and it's to like a, a <laughs> it like when you look at it under the, the way it frames it in this, um, in this story, you can see how illogical it is to be a person like that, to just be hung up in your feelings about what's happening and how, how, how much it's serving you. And, and, and um, I really like that book. And the reason why they give it obviously in, in um, professional circles is just to like, get you to understand that like, stagnation in a, in a, in a environment that is a business setting is not good. You know, like you, you, you need to keep pushing further and you need to keep striving more and, um, you know, embrace change because it's good and it'll keep you alive. It'll keep you, um, you know, fit for the things that are ahead. And the minute you stop doing that, you're not, you're not, you know, doing anything really. I was going to say, I don't, I mean, I didn't read it, but I do know, if you, when it comes to something like that too, if you give away, like especially in a business setting, your position, mm-hmm. meaning once you show that something bothers you or weakness or whatever, people use that, which is, you know, that's all's fair, right? So it almost kind of makes you do that too in a way where it makes you reanalyze how you react. Mm-hmm almost you know they call it the poker face or whatever the hell it is it's it whatever you want to call it if it, it feels like like i said i never read the book but it feels like it's also kind of teaching you that the new survival mode is different than the old one so in other words flipping the fuck out and lashing out at people might not be the best way and if you go online and notice what people do now when they're separated Mm-hmm. They do crazy shit and say crazy shit to people that they would never say to their face. And usually it's because there's no repercussions immediately. Mm-hmm. It's either you got banned. Uh, the cops show up a week later at your door because you're a fucking lunatic. Uh, whatever. 1,500 people say you're a dick. But there's never that fucking kick you in the jaw, like at a bar, if you talk shit or mm-hmm. if you're in a baseball game and you're talking shit or a football game. It's you ever notice the people you see online talking shit or crazy or fighting are usually either drunk or high. It's because mm-hmm. they have the balls to do it. Yeah. You ever notice the people online talk all this wild shit, but nothing ever happens to them or it's it's never immediate. And I think that's the one part of the internet that pisses me off and I'm going to, I'm a fucking boomer. I don't give a shit. Are you? Well, you're not. I don't give they, they call all of us boomers, man. They don't even know what boomer fucking means. These idiot kids. 
So they don't even know half the bands of the shirts they're wearing. I don't, don't trust them. Who, they don't even know what they keep calling me a fucking boomer, and they don't even know what a boomer even really actually is. <laughs> That's how dumb they are. They also don't know what like being a fascist is either. Nobody no. ever told me what that means. But anyway, <laughs> going back to my point, so you have these people running around the internet talking wild shit, and you they never get the life lessons we got. If you talk shit to another guy, they're going to beat your fucking ass. And mm -hmm. that's it. And then yep. might even go get a beer together. I don't yep. know. It happened. It's happened. Yep. I've got, you know, uh, pushing matches. Not a whole lot of fit. Because I usually could talk my way out of shit. Guy mm -hmm. might be drunk or acting like an asshole. I'm like, dude, we usually will work it out. And then we just end up being buddies. Yeah. But online... When you can do that whole, you know, fuck you and your mother and I hope she gets cancer thing and then shut your computer off or your cell phone or whatever the hell it is you're using to talk shit. All of a sudden that just goes away. You can even turn off the comments of other people. You can block the comments of other people. But in reality, you can't. And that's why if you ever notice as a society, if we want to get any better, it's gonna. You're gonna have to start either bringing street rules to social media, or you're gonna have to start bringing social media to the street because there's no like, there's nobody. Yeah, they always call them keyboard warriors, right? And that what they always say. Mm -hmm. So, I've never met a keyboard warrior face to face because usually they don't say the wild shit that I see online if I post something. <laughs> they always so I, have I, some I, fucking I, avatar too. Like, cause you don't even know who half of them are because right. they're, they're little spineless cowardly shits. I've never met one face to face. And I don't mm -hmm. know anybody that's listening. If you ever have where they say some wild shit, they'll be like, Oh, you know, you're a such and such a person, you're a conservative or whatever they say. And they're like, oh, so you're a Bible thumper. And, you know, you uh, fuck. Do you get called that? What? Everybody. Dude, I get called all kinds of shit. I'll say I'll be looking at them going, dude, I don't go to church. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? what I wear black for a living. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. But OK, I couldn't even tell you a passage in the Bible, honestly. But. They say all this wild shit, and usually when they say it to your face, it's never with as much vitriol as it is online. And so I don't – that's the one thing about the internet that bothers me, especially when I grew up. I was bullied. I can't imagine what these kids are going to go through with this shit because back in the day, you would fist fight your way home or you would fight your way to get out of school away from the people that are assholes mm -hmm. and you turn on your fucking computer or your cell phone or your tablet or whatever the hell it is you use. And they're right there again. And it's amazing. I can't, I can't imagine growing up right now. I just, it's not for me. So if you want to call me a boomer shit, I'll take it because this sucks. I'm going to yeah. be honest. I like it and I hate it. It's one of those, I'm hoping it kind of works itself out, but I don't know. I'm appreciating it from the way that you said um, about who moved my cheese, because I look at it as a test of my character, because I know how low I'm willing to go. I don't want 
I will say this, and maybe I shouldn't phrase it this way, but I would like, let's put it in the affirmative. I would like to be able to talk my way out of anything. I, I would like that. I would like that to be the case. And I would like an environment where um, people remain, you know, nonviolent um, when it comes to stuff like that. Well, Sometimes. no, but I, I, I'm saying like in terms of myself, in terms of what my future holds, I would like that. Um, yeah. However, I know that I am willing to um, get pretty destitute because I've I've actually you guilty. know pl- played that card. I've played that I card. Face usually, I get nasty. Well, yeah, I've been told that more once that I do that to people. And, but I always, a lot of times I'm told that I do it in person. Yeah. Not- you know what? I do too. Me too. <laughs> I've been told I'm very aggressive. And I was like, aggressive? I feel like That's I'm assertive. It. I get that too. They say that to me too. Well, why I'm do you think you're here? <laughs> why do you think I invited you on the show? <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Aggressive. I just thought it needed to be said that you're a dick. I don't know. <laughs> that's what came to mind i don't know well and that's that's what i mean like i i don't um i like i see i go on places like twitter and social media because i find it a trial by fire because i i want to be better at connecting with people and i do look at it as a tool and i do look at it as a great space to basically watch the human condition um interact with itself and um as as you know somebody who hopes to you know talk more which i think that speaking is very powerful i mean it, it's it's something that holds great power uh in in how you're able to speak but also in how you're able to act and i really really would like to be a, a type of person that um, exemplifies, uh, what I expect to find in others and also, uh, speaks clearly, uh, my mind and what I actually mean when I say things, because I think that's the point of language. And, uh, I, I look at it all as a, a very fun puzzle, which is very asperger I know, <laughs> like, um, and very dehumanizing in itself, but, that is that is the internet. It's a machine. It's this 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 algorithm that connects us in this very specific way. And I I find it fascinating, and I find it a really cool tool to test to test my my being with, and to to level up with as far as a human being. Um, and I also I know what I'm risking. I know I'm risking complete and utter annihilation with it too. Because there's nothing saying that that somebody or something could hang on what I say and 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 comb through my entire existence and find a thing that could land me completely destitute or in jail. I I'm sure that that we could find something. I'm sure we could find something. Um, so I I know I know what I know what the gamble is. Um, I also feel. If you look at- if you look at any man long enough or any woman long enough, you can find something. Well, and that was what I was about to say is that I also know that I'm, I'm pretty level and probably a lot better off if I were to wager it than the majority of the people that I've, I actually come across on the internet. Um, 
Because let's be real, I'm I can tell you guys right now, I don't look at porn. Um, the entire, the only reason I have in the past um, to indulge certain people that I've dated, but I, I don't look at porn. And the only way that I've looked at porn, I will say, is for reference. There are certain art things that I've had to do that I've had to reference porn for, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be moving. So. I think you're the first person that's ever said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, referenced, you know. Yeah. Well, and sometimes you don't mean to. Like if if my search history was any kind of thing, like sometimes you you type in a series of words and you're getting porn regardless if you want it or not. So so, sometimes it's just come to me. Um. Wait, C-U-M? Wait. (laughs) Could be. Yeah, hey, what the hell? (laughs) Well, you know, and this is this is why I um, I miss men kind of in my life a little bit more. I mean, of course, I have my partner, but I just find uh, I find the banter. And, and again, it, I, I like being around people that give me experiences that I couldn't I can't know on my own um, and play within these thought spaces. It's really fun for me. And like you, I miss I miss a time when we were all laughing about it. Like we either need to get back to laughing about it again or stop talking about it at all. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, if there's any fucking Gen Z people listening to this whole mess and Mm -hmm. millennials that miss the fucking boat, just go watch Blazing Saddles. Oh, my God, I know. Just fucking go watch Airplane and you're going to learn a whole lot about how it used to be Mm -hmm. where nobody gave a shit like you know how everybody keeps saying i don't give any fucks and there's memes and shit all over the place oh this is how many fucks i give dude you didn't live when i live i know they didn't give a fuck about anything well that's why we're seen as aggressive and it didn't matter it didn't matter right it didn't matter what color you were like the black guys had you know had their shit to say about the white guys it didn't matter like it wasn't Mm -hmm. Like, there's a difference between being hateful and just joking about whatever. Like, yeah, it's dude. Okay, yeah, we can't jump. Got it. I'm a white dude. Can't jump. Okay, fine. That's hilarious, and it is funny. I don't. It is they funny. Made fuck, they made a whole fucking movie about it. Dude. I know. <laughs> I don't really care, and I don't think they do either. As long as it's not like straight up being an asshole and hateful. I don't think anybody cares, really. I mean, if you do care, then I think you got other things going on in your life that are something else. And I'm going to say a word that I fucking hate. Something else is triggering you to be so sensitive, which I I hate that word, too, (laughs) about stupid shit that nobody cares about. Right. So. Like when you say things like, okay, a drunk man's words are a sober man's thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the time in the 70s and 80s and the 90s, especially the early 90s, mid 90s, you could kind of flip that whole thing because it didn't fucking matter. Like they would just say stuff. Yeah. And you're sitting there like, Jesus Christ, man. You know, you look at it now, you're like, shit, they wouldn't get away with that now. But it's like, shouldn't we talk about that? Yeah. Why? Like, the thing is, there was a lot of shit. I watched old black stand-up. 
Mm-hmm. I watch, Some of the best is black stand-up. It is. And I'm watching, like, even now, there's, like, all different ethnicities and races and all doing um, stand-up. And I get it. I enjoy watching their perspective mm-hmm. yep. of everybody else around them. And so another fucking word I hate is normalize. Mm-hmm. So why don't we normalize that? So why don't we start normalizing where we just don't give a shit and just kind of have some fun at each other's expense? I don't see the problem. Well, as long as it's not with vitriol and being hateful to people. Well, don't you think that like, I think the thing that I hate is how much effort and emotionality I have to wrap into every single second of every single action of every single thing I do. Now, as I said before, I appreciate the fact that I am being tested to be clearer with what I say. But if we're going to get to the point where actual words can carry such potency and so much meaning that is beyond any anything that they were originally you know, plan to be, then it, it, it kind of is, is this point where we stop talking. And that's, I think what you're getting at is that, you know, I just said, if we can't make it funny, then we need to stop talking. And I think that's what a lot of people would like for us to do is everyone to just stop talking. I got your your podcast title. (laughs) Sticks and stones may break my bones. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. That's all you have to put it as because, we all remember that mm-hmm. you can yeah, say no. that but it 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 shouldn't be the thing that breaks you well and it's the it's the ethics of it too like we grew up with that and whenever people have said you know words are violence like no violence is violence that's, that's correct words are when when words stop that's violence when you have okay, nothing so left to kid. say so i had things being uh you know perpetrated on me i guess when i was a kid you know being called fat Mm. and lazy and stupid and and you know a fat so and all that stuff i guess i guess i was violently beat down when i was a kid that's horse shit were they assholes sure were they saying shitty stuff to me sure but you know that's not violence i've seen violence that's not what it looks like um words don't hurt me because at some point you have to get in your head they're saying some dumb shit to either get a rise out of me or take the the focus off of them it's always been that way that you could be told that as a little kid and it's still it's true the reason why everybody keeps saying it mm-hmm. sticks and stones may break my bones and all that shit is because it's true yeah why you keep hearing it right so i don't i don't i hate when people say words are violence i hate that because it's not true because no. what it does is it, it allows people to rewrite the meaning of words mm-hmm. which they're doing they're already doing that if you when notice you said it it deflates what violence is because violence right. is actually violent and that that does need a very specific specific yeah, treatment to it as well like right it starts altering language and when you start doing that forget about being in shackles or being in a cage or being in mm-hmm. a jail 
you might as well be because at this point, once you start doing that and they control what you say, Mm -hmm. we have a problem. Yep. I'm not going to be in your little made up reality to make you feel better about the way you look at every day or because of the way I speak or what I say. Now, yes. Is there hurt for language to people? Of course. And you should have, you should know that as an adult and you yeah. shouldn't be an asshole. There's plenty. Everybody says, Oh, the N word and all that. Fine. I, everybody knows that it's kind of across the board. My thing is there, it goes beyond that. You're going to start altering the way that I think about everything I know there's books written about that because I read them. When you start mm-hmm. doing controlling the way people speak, you control everything. You control yeah. top to bottom economy, person to person relationships, just everything. And it turns out that they have all the power once they start doing that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not a huge fan of that. And no. I never was. No. Well, because there's no give and take within that. And also, um, it's a lie, too, because the whole premise starts out with that I'm offended. You're not offended. You're not offended. You are you are upset that you don't have what you perceive to be a certain power structure within the conversation. So what you're going to do is right. You've been Right. So what you're going to do is, is you're going to manipulate all of this to kind of feed off of the actual kindness of, of the person that you're having a discussion with, Mm -hmm. and you're going to utilize their heartstrings and their kindness, and you're going to corrupt that. And you're going to take a power position where you get to dictate the terms and play the victim. I've read books about it too. And it's called sociopathy. (laughs) It's called, it's called being a sociopath. That's what sociopaths do. I've seen people do it in real time (laughs) because they don't have any control over any aspect in their life or anything else going on in their life. Mm -hmm. So what they do, they weaponize language against you. Yeah. And they make it where no matter what you say, even if it's true, is either untrue or an attack mm-hmm. or it gives them a reason to attack because you said it a certain way. And I've learned it over the years watching what they do. I'll, if you ever want to learn a whole, whole lot about anyone, just don't say anything, just sit there mm-hmm. and listen and you'll learn everything you ever needed to know mm-hmm. in about 20 minutes. So that's my problem. Want- I'm not that smart. I like talking. I, hey, man, I got to dig my toes into the ground. I got to put my hands on my knees and squeeze my kneecaps to not say anything because I want them. In other words, this whole entire podcast is going to basically be, be me talking um, or saying old sayings. Let them dig their own fucking grave mm-hmm. because they will. Mm-hmm. They will. The only thing they need you for is to kick the dirt on top and throw the fucking flower on it. Yep. Let them do it. Let them talk because the more they talk, the more you learn about how either they're insecure, they don't know what to say, they're losing the argument, so they'd say wild shit that's outlandish, and you're going, man, this is like, this dude's taking it to another level. Once they start doing that, 
you got them. You already mm-hmm. won. Yep. So, yeah. No, you're completely right. And you know, and to wrap it back around where I have a lot of empathy for that, um, because that's in, in, in a, in a way, when you can see things like that, it's, um, that is a power place. That is a place where you can see what they're doing, but they can't see what they're doing. They're panicked and they're, they're flailing around because that's all their body knows what to do. Yeah. There's there. Well, there's fight, flight, and freeze. And and I think a lot of people think freeze is a terrible thing, but freeze is actually um, uh, a thing that your body will actually instinctually do if it thinks that it has even the remotest chance of surviving a situation by just not doing anything, the play dead possum kind of thing. Like freeze is a is actually a really intelligent thing to do because if you don't know what to do, it's better to freeze than to freak out and make a bad move because it's not just do something, it's do the right thing. So um, when you can see all that, I learned this, um, wrapping it back around to Andrew Tate, one thing I do like about him is because he was a fighter. And when you're, and he speaks very um, adamantly about, you know, what men and, and all of that need. And I do think that, Um, men need a lot more physical interactions, a lot more, um, you know, just, just, uh, grappling with each other. Like you said, you know, you say that shit to me in my face, I'm going to punch you. And then we'll get a beer afterwards probably because we'll figure it out. But that's how, that's how men really settle shit. And it does determine a certain kind of, uh, understanding of each other when it comes down to that, because, you know, there, there's a difference between hitting somebody and killing or hitting somebody with the intention to kill them. You know, hitting somebody is just checking them and getting into a fight is just that it's a fight. You didn't win the war. You won a battle. Well, what are you going to do after that battle? Most men have to do that. And um, what I realized when I was doing um, BJJ was that one, I suck at it. Um, I think it's really great for women, um, honestly, because it removes it removes every every one of our cards that we can play. We can't be sexy. We can't we can't. I mean, look, you can you can get really good at doing BJJ, but you're going to look like a fucked up minion afterwards. There's you know, I mean, I guess if 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 you, if you are a kind of guy that loves loves to be folded up and wrapped up by a girl. Yeah, I guess that could be very sexy, but but it's um no thank you. Yeah, right. Like, you know, <laughs> there there are some very skilled women in it, but um none of our traditional weapons are are able to be you can't wear makeup, you can't style your hair, you can't like, you know, none of it is about our feminine while it's all get on the ground and learn how to defend yourself. And um, what I realized was, is that I panic, that I, I completely panic in that, that moment. My instructor would get so frustrated with me. He's like, dude, we've spent the entire lesson drilling this. Like, and I, I see, I, like, I see you make some good moves, but then you completely give it up. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm panicked. I panicked. And- <laughs> well, the one thing, the one thing that you did mention, I actually, um, um, cause bringing it back to the Tate thing. Yeah. Not every. Andrew Tate, whoever 
was wrong all the time. Yeah. Were, they might say one thing or two things or 10 things that were right. I mean, I think uh, Clinton do, didn't do everything wrong. Trump didn't do everything wrong. Obama didn't do everything wrong. But, of course, we always look at the – depending on where you fall, what you're doing – you're going, okay, yeah, this guy, you know. Right. What I'm saying is, is that there has to be. Even a broken clock is right twice. Twice a day, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, even Tate was right in saying like, hey, you know, men need to be more. And he's not the only one. Um, many. Yeah, many men. said it. Mm -hmm. uh, Christ, there was a whole bunch. Tyson, I think, said it once mm -hmm. where this the western civiliz civilization just in this area not talking about the whole world we are starting to lose some of that that masculine way of living mm -hmm. it's not always toxic well it, the, the way yeah. that we're living is is um is it antithetical is that the right word um it's no. it's um it's counter to what men can do. Like, I know that um, a lot of the people I listen to um, are psych psychologists and they will tell you that like the entire way that we teach boys is not conducive to a boy, you know, like they can't sit there for hours and, and ingest information like that. And why are so many men, you know, diagnosed as ADD, you know, like above women? It's because it's designed for women to succeed in that space. It's not designed. Actually, a, a fun note, and I don't, I forget where I learned this information, but Mennonites, when they have a kid, because they all homeschool for the most part, but when they have a kid that just can't sit still, they don't make them sit there. They take them out and they put them to work. They're like, okay, bud, you might not be. You know. I agree with that. I think that <laughs> I, I had friends, tons of them, where they weren't into books. They weren't into this whole, let's sit here for seven hours a day, whatever it was. And they had Votech. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They're amazing funny, at it. Funny story. Our country needs it more than ever. Well, so and this propaganda of you need to go to college. There are a ton of people that need to be doing things like plumbing and electrical work and fucking working on cars or even helicopters and tanks to fight wars. And guess who usually does that type of work? Mm -hmm. So I think. Well, and remember the breakfast club. I'm not saying women can't. I'm just no. saying men are usually the ones who are like, yeah, I want to be the bricklayer guy or I want to, you know, fix that tank in or the middle. Men, or that men have to be any of those things. Like if you find yourself in this modern world, great. Like, for example, um, the Breakfast Club is what I was trying to bring up. The That's another great one. But there's a part where the main nerd guy, he's like, I thought I would take shop because I right. figured, hey, you know. I see some of the retards, and I think you did say that. <laughs> I think you did. Well, it's the eighties. Yeah, Again, like, yeah. Words thing. Yeah, Stick I, I think he said. I think he said that. Um, that takes shop, you know. And the dropouts or the drug out, something he said. Right. Dropouts, of course. Day. The criminal guy, you know, um, Bender. He like looks at him and he's like, 
why do you think it would be easy? Fucking Judd, dude. That's my yeah. boy. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. And uh, he... And... Oh, my style after him back then when I watched that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and you I see... The flannel and that the movie was so good. I mean, the only thing it was missing, I think, for people to learn or to assimilate to it might have been a, a racial element where, you know, because it was, I think it... Um, you know, they didn't have a black person in it. So of course, you know, I guess if you need that, but I don't look at things, you know, to identify with it. I look at it, the, the nugget of, of the, the message of the story, you know, you, you don't look at story to focus on looking like, or emulating any one character. I mean, I get the whole role-playing thing that people do now, but college textbook, uh, front page where they just, everybody's on there. It's like, well, not all the time. I mean, like, yeah. not everybody's everywhere. I don't know. I mean, I they're I'm- they're literally racially discriminating against Asian people right now because they test so well. And if right. it was they're really that, I mean, they they have a gripe about uh, Breakfast Club too, I guess, because they weren't there, right? Because you had. Uh, I mean, a lot of people have a, a gripe about Breakfast Club because. I mean, there might have been a genre of student that wasn't recognized within that, like a specific, like, you know, offshoot weird. I mean, there's not a trance like character there. There's not any of that. It's just, you know, you have the princess, you have the jock, you have the criminal type element, the the rebel, you have the brainiac, and then you have the weirdo, um, which I think does encompass all of them. My but last, you, can uh-huh? I say that? My last college paper I ever wrote was on John Hughes. Just have to oh, say that. Oh, that's a great, great. Did, and John Hughes. I wish I it waited. was like that, too. He was such I a waited. great, brilliant man. I waited my entire college career. I put college algebra second to last just so I could do that class to write that paper. What class Next was it? It was this, like, I needed an elective. Uh huh. And so I was. It was this film study class. Ooh. So we did every old movie you can think of, oh, and wow. we had print papers on it and like analyze it. It was cool, like just how like the characters and how they were perceived and how they be perceived now and all this stuff it was cool. And then they said, you know, free for all, write whatever you want but it's got to be research and you got to get your shit together. So I said, all right. I said, well, my favorite director, writer, everybody was Hughes. John Hughes. Yeah. I went through all his stuff and I talked about his shitty movies. I thought the good ones, all that uh, working with actors and getting them to do stuff for free and like very uh, like, like stage theatrical local stuff where they would like, like John Candy showed up to fucking, I think it was home alone or whatever it was where he just did it for free. It was like 400 bucks or something. Yeah. And he's made shit up on the fly and him and the uh, director. And of course Hughes was involved. He was the producer. I can't remember. Which Hughes was very punk rock of the video world. And yeah. so, and then I watched John Hughes do like a, um, him, John Candy and Steve Martin playing strings and automobiles. They did this like press conference and watching that was really cool. So I just, I don't know, big fan. And I like oh, that. Have you seen yeah. the, the, I think it's on Prime, Prime documentary of The Breakfast Club? It's really good. It. Oh, dude, I'm you got to watch it. It's really good. Um, uh, they even brought up the, the kind of like 
which I think was bogus, but like they're there. Remember the scene where um, Judd uh, Bender puts his face in uh, uh, Molly Ringwald's crotch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they brought that up, too. I was like, well, this was really inappropriate. But the only reason why they felt like it was inappropriate was because um, Judd was so like he was the oldest cast member and she was i think 15 or 16 and so that's why when that they mean you really got up in there it was a well, no it, it was i think that you know like they felt some kind of way about it just because of all the all of the stuff that's happening but let's be real if any like boy was under a table <laughs> and had that personality it's exactly what he would do it's it funny but also the, the irony of it all is and she locked her fucking to... legs over his face and crunched his shit so hard. Like that was the irony was though they were trying to make it like nowadays the kids aren't any different. No. Like in other words, you still have jocks, you still have the dorks and the yeah. freaks and all this stuff. All they they didn't do any like in other words, as much as they try, and it's ironic because they don't want to be, you know conservative or biblical but they take things like that and get upset about it shouldn't they be liberal about that like i know big liberals right i thought that was like cool what i don't understand is is like kids growing up do dumb shit all the time mm -hmm. and that's just one of the many fucking dumb things like right. bender crawling on a drop ceiling telling a fucking joke girl's got a woman's got a pig on her arm you can't climb on a drop ceiling you're gonna fall no. through like i mean he does eventually so anyway taking it back to the to the tate thing and the adolf hitlers and all that of the world they're not always wrong no they're wrong they're wrong a lot but they're not there's certain things they'll say even tate where he's like look we need men to be men and joe rogan said the same thing i agree with him men need to start being men you know, they're they're even doing studies like testosterone rates and shit and all this stuff. I'm like, well, I mean, it'd be nice if we just recognize. And I think what you're getting at is like, and this is something I reminded you, like before we went on, I told you about my encounter before we were on here. And I like to go on Twitter for a lot of reasons. I mean, it it, it might be a waste of my time. I like to not think of it that way. Um, again, I like to uh, just kind of test myself with, you know, these, these kind of technology based, uh, social realms. But, um, I always try to now, like, I don't, I don't get, I don't get upset. I'm not looking to win anything. If I have a point to be made, I stick to that point. I don't waver, you know, like, like, uh, what's his face? Um, Bill Burr said, you know, that, you know, they're losing it when they start flailing. That's when you got them. So like when they start name calling and all this stuff. So what I try to remind Take people. Back. Take yeah. the hits. Yes. Take the yes. Bobby. Bobby. Yep. <laughs> but that's the thing is that like, I like going in there and I like, you know, it is a place of power, but I don't, I try not to abuse that power now because I do see that as a karmic thing. So for me, it's at that point that I start reminding this person, hey man, we're human. We're human. You and I are both flawed. Don't tell me that you have more truth than I have. 
because that's not possible. Okay, like it's not. I hate when they say I hate when they say my truth, and you're like, <sighs> but there's no such thing. It's just truth. It's and then truth. No, and then there's no truth. It's either true or it's not true. And well, that's and it's it. a it's a very funny thing about truth, and I've said this for a long time, and I do believe this to be true. Um, of course, why would I, why would I say anything if I didn't believe it to be true? Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to manipulate anybody. Um, I genuinely think the things that I'm saying are right on some levels. If they're wrong, I, I welcome anybody to, to point it out, but, um, you will be in for a debate because I think I'm right. Um, um, but I say this to people all the time. You don't have to sell something that sells itself. So a good product, a good anything, a true thing, it doesn't need a sales pitch. You don't really even have to prove it. It proves itself. It's something about truth that just rings. Like it hits perfectly. It's that, you know, you don't need all this extra stuff. And when you need all the extra stuff, when you need all the verbiage, when you need all the whatever, you find that when we were going back to it, this is going to be a lot of old phrases. Why are the old phrases so potent? It's because they're simple, sweet, and true. They don't need all this extra. They just hit in this very beautiful, less is more way. And it's great. I admire that about people. I don't have that about me. I'm very wordy. But um, <laughs> but I, over the years, I've been trying not to be, but it's tough. I don't know. Well, I mean, people are trying to make things more wordy. And like I said before, what I hate is how much I have to think. And because words and meaning, meaning itself is on complete and utter assault right now, I have to really, really, really pay attention to how I say something and, and articulate it in a very precise way. Because things are, as you said, being weaponized left and right here now. And, and I am under no illusion that if I'm doing anything of value in this world, that I'm going to avoid haters. Okay. Haters are going to come because like you said, bullies, they need people that they can push down. They, they, their very being needs that because they feel so shitty. So I know, I know that there's going to be people out there who feel that's shitty. And I want everybody to know at this point that that's not something where I hate those people. I'm not saying that with hate. I'm saying that with empathy because I, I understand what it is to want to go and wrestle with someone. I do it on Twitter. I do it. You know, I go on Facebook sometimes looking for, you know, no, let's see what can happen here. Like I have that in me. I have, I have that, like, let's push buttons kind of thing. I, I get where that comes from. I have insecurities too. Um, but, th but that's what people need to understand, I think, is that we're all human. We're all very flawed. We are all kind of of limited capacity. Um, and, and comparison is the thief of joy. So don't do that. Be the best version of you. N nothing else matters. Like, and when it comes to people, keep in mind that you have a big fucking mirror in front of you at all times. 
Like you might not think that, but that's exactly what you're confronting with at all times is yourself, your own karma, your own bullshit. And it's going to come back. And sometimes it might slap you. <laughs> and you know, the fun part, and you know, the fun part about that mirror is, is that only a few feet behind you are the people that love you the most. Oh yeah. They're watching what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And we all can attest to this. They all aren't as proud about everything we've ever done ever. So they're always well, neither are we. And, and when you're when you're young, you know, you're like, oh fuck that, I'll do whatever. But then when you get older, you're like, you know, I don't want to embarrass them, or I feel I was a bad decision, or I said the wrong thing. You start thinking about that more, I think, when you get well, older. You do think, think about the, the mirror, fact that you didn't think. I think, well, right. I think the mirror when you're younger is far away. Mm -hmm. And as the years progress, the mirror gets closer and closer. And as it gets closer, the people in the background get closer and closer. Mm -hmm. And you start noticing all those people that were supposed to be your friends aren't around anymore. And all the people that were going to help you aren't around anymore. And the only people still in that fucking mirror are the people <laughs> that actually do give a shit about you mm -hmm. as it gets closer and closer. And while you were fucking up the whole time and looking really bad, they still stood there in the mirror. And amazingly enough, it gets to your fucking tippy toes on the front of your tippy toes is right in your face. And boy, they managed to squeeze their way into the back <laughs> of that. Mirror. And they're still standing there with you. Mm hmm done all the years of dumb stuff you've done or even successes whatever it is but they're still there no. but if you ever notice as the as the mirror gets closer and closer and the peripheral starts going away it's only those that matter that are still in the mirror and they're still standing behind you mm -hmm. and i think a lot of these people if if you're having trouble in life or whatever's going on if you just think about it that way, it'll help you because that's what mm -hmm. happened to me. And that's well, what I think about it. I think that's a great, that's a great thought. Um, very great thought. Um, I, uh, I had kind of a similar thought at, um, not with the mirror kind of, uh, I guess, analogy um, or, or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um but we were talking about, cause I'm not a parent. So I, I am now going to my church and, um, I went to church last Sunday and my parents weren't there. So it kind of gave me this opportunity to interact in a space where they weren't there. And I was talking to parents and kind of, um, attesting as to why I found myself in the church and just certain things that I'm, I'm very cognizant of now that I've reached this age and it was funny because I was able to talk to parents and have their ear and you could tell they were hanging on everything I was saying because you could tell that they had such love for their kids. Like they could see in me that there was, there was still a touchstone with being a child and what view <laughs> I have. Right. Yeah. And, um, but they like me and they, they were like, wow, you know, this person's here. They're, you know, these, these congregants that we know this is her child or their child. And, um, let's listen here. And it was really cool. And, um, 
then I got uh, their one of their daughters came into because she's also a part of the church and um and we got to hear about her story and everything too and you could tell within that that she um was as young as she was and I wish that she had she did catch some of what I had to say and I do think that what I had to say impacted her because when she came in it came in on the point where I was telling the parents hey it took me a long time to realize that what I had was very special was a blessing to have parents at all that it took me a long time watching friends of mine and meeting people who didn't have the benefit anymore of their parents and how they would give anything to have one more argument with their parents um, and how much that was a blessing and how much you know love is there for me that I still get the benefit of interacting with. And that's such a great thing. I said now, and I looked at the mom and her and I said, now the thing of it is, is that you as a mom or as a dad are limited though, because you only know what you know, you only know what you've experienced, which is great. It's a good guiding thing, but you know nothing about what this person is here to do. You only have it in your mind that you want to keep them alive. You want to make them a good person. You want to, you want to make sure that they're successful and they don't get hurt. But the problem with that is, is that lots of things are trials by fire. So there was many situations where I had to look at my parents and I had to defy them. I had to. Because it was it was in what I needed to be to defy them. I knew they loved me. I knew that they cared about me. But everything in me was saying, this is not you. You cannot, you cannot, even though they love you and even though you know that they're back there, what they are saying to you is not correct for you. And I think that's what they, when people say my truth, that's what they're talking about. Because I do think that's real. That's, that's real in the context of there is something imbued in us in our souls that we are here to do, that, that we have to come to, that we have to recognize in, in our experiences and all these things that we are meant to br be brought out into the world. And I know that I was meant to be what I am. Like, I know that I was meant to be an artist. There's, there, there's nothing. And everything about the kind of artist I am is, is because of all the things, all the people, all the experiences, a lot of which that if my parents knew about them or if they had access to that would have vehemently told me not to do. But because I did it, I have a perspective that is so awesome and so amazing and, and it's, it's my experience. It's, it's my story. And, and it is, but you know, what's interesting about that Uh huh. after all of that, mm -hmm. after everything you did. Yeah. If you look in the mirror, who's standing behind you? They're still there. No, they're still there. And that's, that's the point is that you're right. That that's what parents want to do. Yeah. They want to try to guide you and all that. Uh, some are a little more lenient than others, but 
at the end of the day, because mine was mine were very lenient for me. I don't know how they were for my brothers and all my sister, but for me they were. That was the black sheep, apparently. And so, but they're still there. You they're were a middle one too. You didn't have you didn't have the hardcore knock life of being the first. Right. Or the last. The or easy, the last, yeah. You know. So what I'm saying is that they even though the mirror got closer, they're still there. And in your case, I feel like they're still there too. Well, and I think even if they passed, they'd still be there. But that's a perspective to where that's when a, that's you that's a broader that's a whole other podcast. Well, it is a whole other podcast, but <laughs> I, I want people to know that like that's why it's important that you recognize that they're now there. If they are now there, that, that it's important that they're there. And that has a very, that it's in a very, that's something that you should recognize. And then being there before, that, that long with all those problems, right. things, trials and tribulations, they're still standing there. Well, not only that, but that, one day they won't be if timelines go the way that they're supposed to and and to honor their existence there it's it's necessary for you to finally recognize that they're standing there it's it's I'm really down, important I'm down, I'm down one yeah and the thing is is that what i'm doing before we got on here i was talking about what i'm doing I am honoring his legacy because mm -hmm. nobody's going to tell us what to do. Mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck who you are or how much money you have. Yeah. You're not going to stop us. No matter how big you become, how much it becomes a David and Goliath thing. Yeah. We're going to stop. Yeah. And it's because of him, because that's the way he thought. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gone, I know you get it for sure. When they're gone, I mean, hell, it might even be more mm -hmm. when they're gone. Yep. Oh, definitely when they're gone, because then you're able, you're you you no longer. There's something that comes over it because you no longer can be hurt by them. You can only be hurt by the absence of them. So when they're gone, all you all you miss is the good stuff. All you miss is is the things that are worth missing. And those are the things that become most potent. And they're still standing there too, like even when they're gone. And there's certain things I've done where even now or, you know, last maybe 10 years and you'll sit there and go, yeah, he's standing there looking at me like, fuck you do that for? Or what were you thinking? You know it. <laughs> or you should have done it this way or you should have been more, you know, pushy or, Whatever they're still there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're oh, yeah. saying like rooting for you. And sometimes looking at you like, what are you thinking? And that's the feeling I get. You know, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how it is for both of them to be gone, but for one of them, that's the feeling I get where it's mm -hmm. there's like this, they're looking at you like kind of what they would have done in life. It's almost like in your brain forever. It never goes yeah. away. Well, it's really cool. And I, well, I mean, it is, it's in your very biology. I mean, you're half, you're half him. So, you know, <laughs> he's in you like, like fully. Now, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> We're not going back to that, you know, getting a visual for tattoos. <laughs> well, and, and to clarify some things, when people say my truth, 
I, I don't like it just in because like, like we were talking about, there is the truth and the truth is something that I don't think anyone can fully grasp here with the, I don't think we have the capacity to fully have that truth um, because we're human. Um, it would, it would take us being able to know and see all things. And we, we don't have that capacity, yeah, but I need to start doing video. We need to start doing video live because I'm going to put up a board and put my truth equals my experience. Yeah. Yeah. That means it's, it's yeah. Well, well, and it's also, like I said, something that you can't even rationalize to because it, it's, it's a calling, like it's a calling in you. That's asking you to defy whatever's happening. And for me, that's, that's a calling to a, to a trial. You know, I'm now, I am looking into the Bible and things like that. It's the first time in my life, but a lot of these people who are, who are loved under God are people who have been tested by God and proven like Job, for example, you know, like, like Job is a character where, you know, Satan goes to God and basically makes a bet about this human being's life and how, you know, he's like, ah, Job only, only loves you because you, you, he's wealthy. He's wealthy. He's rich. He's got everything. Of course, the minute you take all that away, he won't love you anymore. And, and then God's like, okay, everything he owns is in your power, you know, go for it. And, and God doesn't take it away. He allows Satan to, so Satan takes it away and Joe falls on his knees and he basically shaves his head and, and prostrates himself in front of God. And is like, I love you. I love you. You know, this is a test. And then, uh, you know, more happens like Satan's like, well, his body, you know, any man will, will curse your name if you curse his health and his ability to live. And then God's like, well, I'll, I'll give you his health and well-being, but I won't, you know, don't take his life, you know, cause that it takes him out of the game. You know, we can't do this, you know? So again, and then Job continues to be a man devout in his, his faith and his understanding of that love and that connection. And that's the thing is that like within these, within that parable is that this man was in love with what he knew to be constant for him. He knew that, that his life wasn't everything, that he wasn't everything, that there was a higher thing to fall, fall on his knees in front of. And I, I really think about that in terms of uh, our truths. Like if I say, like I said, I had to defy something. I had to rebel. I, and we could say I rebelled against my parents, but I think I rebelled against um, uh, maybe, maybe an order of things that I didn't see as real. Like it wasn't, right, that wasn't, things that wasn't my calling. That wasn't my purpose. And and in the Bible, there are lots of characters like that. There's, you know, like, like um, Pharaoh. When, well, well, you just said that what you yeah. just were mentioning yeah. reminded me of Trading Places and Bruce's Millions. Oh, the yeah. TV movies. Because if you, if you think about it, Trading Places, Dan Aykroyd had everything. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, the yeah. guys or the two old guys that were like running the show and, and had all the money, they were like, let's see what happens when... We make Dan Aykroyd poor and Eddie Murphy rich. Mm-hmm. Let's see how that all plays out. We'll bet one dollar on it and that type of thing. That's kind of it's playing. It's playing, guy. Yeah. 
but yeah. basically in the pop culture world that's kind of what that is where it's like it's like we're we have the control to do whatever we want we're going to see what happens and how it plays out if this mm-hmm. person is going to stay devout or not if they're right. going to change right. the way they are because eddie murphy was a homeless guy dan Aykroyd was a rich guy and they literally traded places where well dan Aykroyd's this dirty old this dude for the millennials and the gen z's that we know have not seen this film let's conclude it by saying they end up they end up whoa um i just lost power here thank god i'm my my computer can still go are you still there (laughs) did we freeze hopefully i'm still oh shit are you still there Well, it was at that point that I lost Red Rebel, so we're we're gonna end it there. But I I wanted to finish the thought by saying that uh, in case you have not, I don't even know if it's millennials or Gen Z or wh- whoever hasn't seen Trading Spaces uh, or Trading Places. I forget what it was. I think it's Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. It's a film where. The two guys swap and you have two old, you know, we have the old men of like this financial world that pretty much play God and dictate the terms and they, they opt to level somebody that they really don't like and, and they, they mess with people's lives. Uh, it's a good movie. Suggest you watch it. Funny as heck. Uh, Dan Aykroyd uh, <laughs> ends up being a very dirty, uh, kind of homeless santa person and uh you know it's it's just good old-fashioned humor that uh we haven't seen in a while so i suggest you go back and watch it i wanted to thank red rebel we're keeping him anonymous right now because we're just gonna kind of feel it out uh this is a space that i've offered uh this person in my life to come and have discussions i think you know Having a diary for everyone is good, and it's been so cathartic for me. So I, I like to offer it as, to, up to as many people as possible. I think it really has yielded such great things already in, in the people who have come here, experienced it, talked. Uh, but Red Rebel, I'm sorry we got cut off. Everyone, this, this will not be the last of him, I assure you. All right, diary listeners, have a great week, and we hope you enjoyed this Black Box episode. The Black Box series is in response to many stories that are hard to tell and that people withhold telling for fear of reprisal. We think these stories must be told. Recover the wreckage of lived experiences and pick through the rubble so that the information found can better serve the future. If you have such a story in your professional journey, please reach out to theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. Thank you to our storytellers, and thanks, as always, to our listeners.